Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Dear Abby, so this is going to be a very fun show today. Nat's here. Hello, everyone. Nat's getting quite comfortable doing all this. Yes, I am. Um, you really are. Thank you. Like, we're, we're here. We had our first uh, uh, Dear Natalie question even come in. We're not getting into it today, but it happened, which is just, I mean, look, it's a big deal. Um, you guys can't see me, but I'm flipping my hair. No, you are. You are. <laughs> uh, and we have our friend Scott with us today. So, Scott Chesney, I mean... I don't know where to even start with this because there are a couple of different things about Scott that I think you guys will like, but one of the reasons that we've been trying to get you on for like ever, but one of the reasons that I was excited to have Scott on is Scott's a guy that I look up to big time and it's kind of, I almost find myself embarrassed sometimes when we talk about the style of show that we have with Dear Abby, it's like kind of like that, that it's, I, it's more of a community. I don't, I really look at it sometimes as we like gossip together more than it's actual advice, right? Because when I go around and every once in a while, someone will say, hey, like, you know, we've got a kind of like a self-betterment kind of program that we're doing and everything. Will you come speak there? And one of the things that I had done, I wasn't actually there to, to, to speak at that particular moment, but uh, I had gone to a seminar where you were speaking and I was like very, very embarrassed that anybody comes to me for anything after hearing Scott speak because I was like, oh, dude, like I'm just uh, this is just not at all like what I should be doing. Um, where Scott's actually really, really amazing at this, spoken with, at some crazy, crazy events and has an awesome life perspective that like I truly respect and appreciate. So to me, there are a couple of questions that even got written in that had to do with my personal life that I honestly thought that you might even be better at answering than I would. So but, I got to answer stuff about your personal life? Well, it's going to get, yeah, it's <laughs> like, you know, especially like the, the more raunchy, the better really at this point. Like, you know, for me, I could, cause I got to, I have to kind of push it off on somebody, you know what I mean? So I chose you. No, so we were, so we were, we were, no, obviously super excited to be there. We want to talk about the stuff that you got going on. Cause we have to just kind of catch up. But first I want to kind of, if you want to just introduce yourself to everybody here, and then um, I want to actually ask you about how your daughter's doing because I know she's a Fordham girl and I miss it very, very much. So. Uh, I should start with that. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm just a human being. I'm a 51-year-old guy, uh, Verona, New Jersey. Um, actually, back in Verona, did get out of that wonderful town for a number of years and lived down in Miami, Florida and traveled around the world twice. I've actually been to 40 countries now. And all but four of the United States of America, so I'm very proud of that. Which four left? Let's see. Alaska, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota. <laughs> Everywhere wow. else okay. I've been to. I'm not surprised you left the Dakotas for last. <laughs> not the most exciting. <laughs> so you've been there, done that. 
sure haven't. Don't really, <laughs> don't really feel. I've actually heard a lot of great things about the Dakotas, to tell you the truth. A ton. My friends from there. Why don't you go and you let me know? I will. I'll report back. I'll report back. And like Wyoming, I feel like is where I'll go to disappear when it's all over. You know what I mean? Well, now we all know that. Yep. So there you go. You. Just like, it's going to take you a while to look. It's big. It's a big place. Can I say Alaskan cruise is something that everybody needs to do? They said that's beautiful. I've, never I've heard had that. A desire to do that, but they said you got to do an Alaskan cruise. So. Are you saving it for the cruise? Huh? Maybe we'll do a cruise sometime. I don't know. You have a favorite state? Favorite state? Um, oof. I'm going to say California. Okay. I, I, La Jolla, California, I think will be my ultimate destination. Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like there's an energy there that is just uh, so healing, so nurturing, so creative. I'll never forget the first time I flew into uh, San Diego's airport um, and then took a, a ride to La Jolla. I was just like, whoa, like there's something here. And then I was pushing along and I saw this juice caboose and then I saw the Chopra Center, which was there at the time. And it's like, oh, I love this vibe. And people would like look at you and say, how are you? Mm -hmm. And wait for an answer. It wasn't just like something that they were doing in passing. And so uh, I loved it and loved it that it's right by the water and the ocean. So um, I had my sights on actually moving there when I was in Miami, Florida. But then my wife, we weren't married yet, but she ended up moving down with me in Miami. And she's like, why? Since why both of us make a, a move at the same time? How about just one of us? So mm. we have no regrets. So we stayed in Miami for a little while and then started traveling and ended up back in New Jersey. So <laughs> here I am. I feel like this is the type of spot that I always like, you know, when you're from here, you really can't. You always come home. You're always going to come back. Mm -hmm. It's like just one of those things. You know, I don't know. That's just me anyway. Well, you know what um, I, I tell people is that I, I, I really, 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 really like, like I give things a grade. And I said, I give like Verona or I give New Jersey like a B plus. Mm -hmm. So if you've been here your entire life and haven't left here, you absolutely are very disgruntled and upset by my saying that. Like, mm -hmm. what, what's wrong? I've done so much for you. Because I know where an A is. Mm -hmm. I, I think like the, the California, and I'm a warm weather guy. You can pluck me in Hawaii. I'd be great out mm -hmm. there too. So I don't know. I really really like in parts I love New Jersey so I'm sorry if I offended anyone <laughs> you know where to reach Albie so send all yeah, that that's hate it. stuff there <laughs> I'll, you know we'll start with me um, but yeah no so we were because I was on Instagram um, which I, I since this hotel kind of took over my life I, I don't even get to do that as much as I used to, which is kind of kind of wild. And I was joking around with my brother because it's like everybody else. It's like we're in a time warp because everybody else is getting older and like doing stuff and whatever. And then I see a image that I thought I recognized. And it was basically, I, I guess it's the old grill at Fordham. And I was like, I know that grill. And, and we were going back and forth on, on the DM with obviously like now I, I guess your daughter's there now. And... I had a comment because I, I, it was so funny because I remember moving in there like it was yesterday and I say legit and I commented probably the weirdest comment I've ever left anybody on social media um, but I was like hey I saved the bird from that deli one time <laughs> then that dead ass serious I was, I was in that deli and um, a bird flew in right against the wall like immediately like flapping its wings everything's great everything's great now i'm inside bang and then like all disoriented basically it looked how i felt like at the time you know what i mean everything was going fine and it's like oh it's fine it's like i'm trying to get up and it's all good and i picked it up in a wax cup wow yeah a wax cup a little bird i picked it up in a wax cup you remember this and then i walked it outside and i made like three four friends which is not something i usually do i guess they just thought i was an animal buff meanwhile i'm like i don't want a bird flapping around i just want i want my bologna and cheese and i want to move on um, and then, uh, and then I tagged Pugsley's and I was like, you gotta take care of my friend. Has she been there yet? 
So, uh, totally embarrassed. Like, <laughs> I, 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 so, my daughter's a freshman at Fordham University and put out, like, hey, Nia's just starting, proud of her, good luck. And Albie was great. Albie, you, you know what, you talk about, like, throwing softballs to someone. He threw the biggest softball because you got to check out Puglisi's Pizzeria. It's the best. Tags the owner in it and everything. So it's there. He wishes Nia good luck. So Nia ends up going there. She doesn't say a word. Mm -hmm. She doesn't say a word about Uncle Albie or anything like this. And I'm like, what are you kidding me? You know what? So my my wife kind of talked me down a little bit before I ended up calling her. Um, When I saw the post, she's like, you know, she's trying to create a name for herself. And she knows you know a lot of people and you've made a lot of introductions. And I was like, yeah, all she had to say is my friend or whatever may be there. You never know. But she she loves it. Um, She loves the campus, making a lot of friends. I think the biggest thing for her though is that she loved this city before. So um, she's very, except taking classes and she's doing well, very rarely on campus in which there's a lot to do. Mm-hmm. She's in New York City all the time. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I'm just watching the money just go. I was oh, like, yeah. wait a minute, this doesn't include tuition. Do you know I have a meal plan on <laughs> campus? And uh, it's just amazing how much things cost. But um, it's crazy, loving, right? Loving the experience. It really is. And that, especially, I'll tell you what, man, like that was, that tuition was expensive when I was there. But I mean, it's the Fordham campus to me is like it reminded me so much of how I feel at the Brownstone or even sometimes here. Like it's it's a different place within a place. It's like its own, which is like college is supposed to be that. Right. But like you walk outside and it's the Bronx. Like it's very, very much the Bronx. Like, you know, Fordham Road's right there. And obviously, you know, Arthur Ave is great. We had a lot of fun out there. I was always super comfortable from growing up around Patterson. But it was like you'd have these kids that came in and some of them would not leave campus at all. And then some of them was like, all right, I'm here, Metro North, and then whatever, you know, Ram Van status stuff. But that was easily like, I I had the opportunity to go abroad junior year. They were going to send me to Italy with a finance club. And I was really close to, I had nothing to do with finance. I was was really, no, nothing. Yeah, not at all. But I was really (laughs) close to the, the, to the, uh, the Dean that was running it. And he was like, dude, why don't you go? Like, it's like, you're not in the thing or whatever, but just go, you can take some classes out there. Like I'll put, I'll give you a spot. Mm. And I love Fordham so much that I wouldn't leave. And I really should have left because I would have came back. Like, not that I, I, I would have just, you know, I would have had a little bit of that. Like, can you imagine Nat, how horrible it would be to sit in a room with me all the time no. where I have the ability to say this sentence. Well, when I was living in Italy. I would absolutely die. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could handle that in addition to everything else you're yeah, bringing. That's what I'm saying. So. Well, in my, you know, the way they do it, you know, well, in so Tuscany. Thank you, Fordham. Yeah. <laughs> keeping him yeah. a little longer. <laughs> but I couldn't leave. But it was, it was a lot of fun. But she's enjoying it, though. Oh, she's, she's having a blast. Um, we were worried in the beginning. You always try to find your pack, and uh, it was her first time really away from home. I mean, she's done a little traveling abroad, but she has, like, a nice group of, like, six or seven friends at home, and they basically did everything together. So they've all went their separate ways. And you know what? Um, my wife's all about the academics, and I'm all about, like, the, the street smart and the social Life part. Of it. So the combination of the two is great. And so um, she's actually had... Um, no, a great growth experience during it and loved it. And we know that she definitely made the right choice. I like that. So, yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into a bunch of things. Yep. Uh, how about we do this? I'm going to read just a regular Dear Albie that kind of came in. Yep. And then I want to get into, there's another question that came in that I thought perspective wise, you would be super, super, really, you know, really great to be here um, for because it reminded me also of my favorite story about you that we'll get into. But I think we kind of softball it right now. 
and we go from there. But um, here we go. It's a hell of a setup. I'm such a pro, right? Yeah. I can make anything sound miserable. Yep. It's unbelievable. Yep. It is unbelievable. Do, do you know that? Do you know that I butchered? <laughs> I don't know if anybody caught it. I actually butchered, completely butchered one of the new advertisers on the show. Like spelled I, I their, heard it. spelled their name wrong the uh-huh. entire time, or yep. said their name wrong the entire mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. The entire time. You're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I heard it and I was like, and I'm sitting there. That's the opposite of what the ad is. Yeah, no, I know. But like, nobody stopped me. And I'm trying to read lips too, folks, if you're wondering. You know what I mean? No, I know. It was pretty obvious. It was there. But, you know, shout to Best Fiends, though. Awesome game. Really, really, you know, Friends has nothing to do with it. Hey guys, so in the 90s, ads for phone sex lines could be seen everywhere, flickering on late night cable channels and printed on the back of magazines. Phone sex operators worked around the clock to fulfill fantasies. It all started with an idea from Mike Paradis, CEO and founder of American Talnet, who proudly coined himself the telephone pimp. He was joined by tech genius and co-founder Michael Self, who was known as the Bill Gates of phone sex. But it was the women behind the phones who created the close-knit yet dysfunctional family that turned American Talnet into a multi-billion dollar company and revolutionized the sex industry. As fortunes grew, the founders were sailing lavish yachts, fueling wild drug parties, and burning through cash by the minute, and the FBI was watching their every move. Wondery and Topic Studios' new podcast, Operator, is the untold story of a company which dominated the phone and sex industry until the money blinded them and it all came crashing down. The show is awesome. The way they tell the story is even better. There's so much about this show that I love. It's down to the last thing. You know what it also reminds me of? When Dear Albie, not to make this about us, but when Dear Albie was starting to get used as like a low-key, that one guy that liked to show a little too much, if you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I digress. Either way, Operator's amazing. Awesome, awesome, awesome show. And it's a little bit of a throwback too, going back. Obviously, there's like a, like a lot of 90s um, uh, references and stuff, which I miss, sorely miss the 90s very badly. Follow Operator on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen early and ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. As the year ends, another holiday season is upon us, and for many of us, that means travel and family. And there's plenty of stress that can come with traveling around, and hey, not for nothing. If you know, you know, but there's plenty of stress that can come up when seeing your family. So, tis the season to be jolly, but... Sometimes it just doesn't feel that way. And that's okay. Ease some of the burdens that the holidays can bring with Talkspace Online Therapy. I'm a huge proponent of Talkspace and online therapy. It's been extremely, extremely helpful to me. It's actually something I've gotten as a gift for people. It can really be a life changer. Um, I definitely, definitely believe in it. So you guys should 100% give it a try. So Talkspace is ready to help you start feeling better with a single message. Set goals with your Talkspace therapist. Develop techniques to cope in difficult times. Talkspace offers individual therapy, couples therapy, and medication prescription services. Talkspace works around your schedule at your convenience with live video sessions and unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist. If you need a little support to help you through the end of the year or just want to start building towards a better upcoming year, Talkspace is here to help. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with promo code DEARALBY. That's $100 off when you use code DEARALBY at Talkspace.com. Back to the show. Dear Albie, I've been married for over 10 years. My husband is an active duty military. I have two kids overseas. The first one alone while he was deployed and missed the birth. I had asked him if I could come home to have the baby and he said no. He said it would be too hard for me to go back overseas with a baby. He'd just rather I stay there. So I did. 
I have always done what was best for him. I speak up for myself, don't get me wrong, but I like to pick my battles. I supported his career every step of the way. I volunteered and held a full-time job, took care of my kids, and supported him as a soldier. I have taken care of the kids alone many, many times while he left for work duties, months at a time. Flash forward to now. I have the opportunity to have a job of mine. It requires I be in the office twice a week. It is an out-of-state job with amazing growth potential. He doesn't support me at all, says that if I take the job, he'll divorce me. I currently have a decent job, but it's not a job of my dream career at all. I dread going to work, and it's not just for me, but it pays the bills. Just like that, in the snap of his fingers, he's willing to throw away our marriage after everything we have been through. I don't see my job offer being the real issue issue here at all. I think he's looking for an excuse to end our marriage. I could really use some feedback. Not sure what I will decide, but I'd like to know what Mrs. Manzo thinks. We already let you down once. I'll let I'll let mom know though. What Mrs. Manzo thinks on this. And Albie, would your significant other taking an out-of-state dream job be a deal breaker? My spouse says modern women are the problem and blah, blah, blah. I just don't recognize him anymore. He wasn't like this when we first got married. Thanks for the podcast. You were all very relatable. Great dynamics. Sincerely, career goals. That's a heavy one. And I'll tell you what. That's, you know, look, Scott. I said softball. I, I take it back. I mean, that, it, it's a... Yeah, I, that's not a softball. I read these. I, read these I know. I, that was like, that was a shot of espresso. I, I read these for the first time here, but that's a really, really, really tough one for me personally. Yeah. Um, but I mean, hey, you know, we did probably up there as obviously the, like the advice, like I'm definitely not the advice guy in the room. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you guys, either of y'all take a step back and feel free to take this one before I like collect my thoughts. But I mean, serious stuff. Take the floor. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I will say this is that as the letter went on, you can just hear her voice getting stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like she knows uh, what she needs to do. Um, but yet there's a tremendous amount of fear. And so uh, I'm all about like doing, I'm not always saying like leave the guy or just do everything possible to keep a marriage going. So you have no regrets on your end. So uh, the first thing, and I have a feeling he probably would reject it is I'd say, you know what, go see a marriage counselor and and talk to someone and process things. Again, I have a feeling, my gut, I'm I'm hoping I'm wrong, but he would probably reject that and we don't need that. Um, No, you just kind of need to listen to me and do what I say. So that's out the window. Again, with this voice and her to even write this as something that she's moving towards, like finding even more of her voice and making a decision, I would suggest you take a, uh, a piece of paper and just write, which I think has been so beneficial in so many ways for people to do a cost payoff a cost payoff in terms of staying in this marriage. What is it costing me and what are the payoffs? And uh, what's interesting is that for her to stay in this marriage right now, there is more payoffs than there are costs. Mm -hmm. Because if there were more costs, she'd experience enough pain and she would have left. What she needs to assure herself is that all these payoffs that she's feeling she's getting from this marriage, she will still get if she leaves this marriage, but probably in a healthier way. So she needs to exhaust this list of cost because there's things that are costing her absolutely and we've heard a bunch of them in this marriage but there are also payoffs um, that she's gaining um, but probably not in a healthy way and so again there needs to be that assurance that what if you want to make a break if you want to go out on your own all these things will still be a part of your life but in a, in a healthier way it, it seems to me that like the problem really th- there's like several questions within the question really right you know saying that 
he's looking for an excuse to end the marriage, right? Is you're really, you know, going deep into, you know, the, your your obvious like kind of shock, I think, at his response, right? Hey, if you got a job at a state, I would just divorce you. Like that to me seems more of a, you know, yeah, I don't think you can just afford, especially with two kids and a decade into this, afford to just let your brain just go there right away. Cause you're going to keep finding more and more stuff to justify that thought, which is probably not a good one for you to have. Like there's, that's just not going to be a productive thought. doesn't mean you're wrong. Right. But you just got to, I, I, that's the type of thing where you have to be a thousand percent sure before you're going to allow that to take up brain space, because that's just going to ruin your whole psyche altogether I think but I think that with her also you know it, it it's interesting because that does also seem like a really extreme reaction to that kind of a thing I think it kind of sounds like it might be more of a heavy-handed bluff from him that's coming out of a fear place of her gaining this independence that maybe she hasn't been necessarily allowed to have up until now but I think that if she were to actually try to leave, I don't know that he would let it go down that easily. If she's picking up all these responsibilities, taking care of the kids, supporting him emotionally and with his job and things like that. So I don't know if he would necessarily immediately jump ship, you know, like, goodbye, I'm divorcing you. I think he wants to scare her into staying in her little box and not going and having something that gives her her own joy outside of him and their family. Well, I mean, he's obviously a regimented guy, right? I mean, like, you're not in the military if you're not, like, obviously super, And what you know, did he say systems. the modern woman is the problem? Well, you know what, though? Listen, Woo! right? Not, not like, like, steam coming out yeah. of your nose and ears. Like, <laughs> yeah. He says modern women are the problem and blah, blah, blah. Now, not obviously, that's not something that, that we agree with, right? But the thing about it is this. You really, to me, got to lead with like in, for, in, in, in conversations like this, you got to lead with some empathy and you got to wonder like, you know, being an active military for that long, okay, is clearly not, this is not a non-stressful situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who really knows what type of mental impact that's going to have on somebody on a day-to-day and certain things that seem like, you know, for, for us that might seem like a really easy decision Okay, when you're breaking that mold that at least in his brain he's accustomed to and there's change, I could see a really harsh reaction being kind of normal. Right. So I think it's more about figuring out how to speak to him like this is the type of thing. and, And I don't know if programs like this even exist, but like, you know, look, getting your dream job is is great. You know, and I'm a huge proponent of always saying, like, you know, put yourself first and, and all of that. But you do have two kids involved and you do have a husband that, you know, you really like when, when somebody has been, um, I think that, you know, I think everybody in the military is obviously you're, you're doing a, a remarkably selfless thing. Um, you know, maybe you have this identity of what home life is supposed to be when you get home. And maybe there's somebody over there, you know, that can speak to him and get through to him in a way in which he might just find more understanding, if that makes sense. But I think you got to speak his language a little bit because I do think you are also entitled to be happy and have the same amount of sacrifice in their relationship that you've given him. Yeah. You know? You know, uh, communication is huge. And whether it be the beginning of a relationship, the beginning of a marriage or anywhere else throughout the marriage, it's so important. I still find it amazing, though, is that when you exchange vows, there's basically this assumption that you're supposed to, like, kind of grow at the same rate 
and vibrate at the same energy and do all that. And that couldn't be further from the truth. It, it still amazes me that like marriages, like in general, like succeed. And they succeed because there are these sacrifices that are made. There are these understanding that change is constantly going on. And so all we might know about this is that she's always been, and I, I don't like the word comes up, but it's the one that's coming up. So I'm gonna share it is a, the subservient one in which he kind of like dominates and says, this is the way it's gonna be. And again, it could be the first time in their like relationship where we all have a threshold in which he says enough is enough. And I want more, I want better. And he might not be prepared for change, but yet again, it depends on where we are in our individual growth and uh, expansion. And again, sometimes that doesn't mesh with the other side. And rather than saying, hey, you know what? I love it, honey. I love that you're gonna do it and support you. We'll find a way to make it work. There could be this other side that says, I don't like this change you're going through and I don't understand this change. And you, you begin to resent. That's why it's so important to mm. communicate and get help and have other people to help you process. But I think like just resisting that or labeling it or painting it as bad doesn't help us either. Right. Like when it's, I, I think for as bad as we, I think want to be understood, there's a lot that I think has to go into taking a breath and saying, all right, let me understand this person or let me also be cool and chilled out and a good person when it's not necessarily as obviously convenient for me. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So like if, when she says, oh, I don't recognize this person anymore. He wasn't like this when we first got married. I mean, name anything that's the same after 10 years. Like that. After I, one year. Yeah, right. After five years. Yeah, it's it like, oh, somebody's changed. It change immensely. But not only that, like, I think just that is the one constant of, like, life is that just shit changes. Yep. And you just got to react to it one way or the other. And I think it's about everybody being on the same page of that change. So whatever you got to do... You know, I, I think it's really about kind of communicating and getting through to him on a level that's um, probably something more consistent with what he experiences every day. Because if he's overseas for that amount of time, honestly, him even coming home must represent a crazy change for him. Right. And we know that's something a lot of guys that have been away have to deal with, yeah. you know? So I think the further you get ahead of that and have some kind of conversations with him and be on the same page, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. It just, it sounds like, you know, it just is a lot of change for both of them at the same time. Mm. And our world is changing so much as far as traditional, like, household roles. And maybe, you know, I don't know how old this guy is. I don't know what part of the country they're in. There are different kind of, like, societal values that factor in depending on those external There's a factors. lot we don't know. There's a lot we don't know. Right. But I think that maybe if they can come to some kind of compromise where, you know, maybe he's afraid she won't be able to fulfill the household roles as much if she's away from the home for those two days or whatever if they can just discuss what are the fears what are the problems how can we get ahead of that so we can all be happy they could probably figure it out absolutely if they want to absolutely you know, see, yeah well that's the thing it's all like you know if you want to you know what i mean see to me i think marriage in, in general you hit it before like i'm almost more impressed by people staying married now because we, we've built like this, the world that we have built for ourselves and, and wherever the hell Zuckerberg's taking us next with like glasses and all that other stuff is just, it, it, it's, it's just not really, I think, a constructive environment for that kind of a thing. It's right. just not. Right. Like, cause you're, we're, we're so pulled in, like, you know, it's funny cause we're, we're so pulled in all these directions and I think there's so many things I, like, I feel like we've almost built this complaint culture 
And one of the reasons I've always loved listening to you is I feel like we're in such a rush to um, embrace or, or, or sell a narrative on ourselves of um, being in this constant or perpetual state of like challenges, right? Mm -hmm. And overcoming stuff, which I do suppose is only natural, right? That's probably a human thing. Like that's, right. that's got to be in your DNA. You know what I mean? From, from the very, very beginning. But it's just got this narrative now that I do feel like is often um, very misplaced. So when you meet people that have actually really, you know, done this and have a better attitude than folks that frankly, you know, are, are I think just, just kind of hearing themselves talk, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's eye-opening, I think, for me because and it'll get into two things. Well, number one, um, where I'm going with this is I, I got an email here, and again, I I try not to read anything beyond a couple of quick hits um, before we actually get on the show. And this one came up where they said um, they wanted to talk about uh, my disability coming up in school. And my responses to this have always been really weird, I think, to people. Um, and I'm anxious to kind of, I was anxious to kind of, number one, read, read the email, but get your perspective on things. We'll give the audience a little bit of a, bit of a background. But I've always, to me, I don't know if it was the show thing or whatever, really resented that entire process and term for me. Because I actually felt, even at the time, going through the process, you know, getting um, 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 classified as a student and all that other stuff was probably more detrimental than whatever I felt I was being told was the issue. Because I don't know how the hell I would have figured it out for myself that I wasn't reading or processing things as fast as everybody else kind of a thing. And then all of a sudden I'm getting put in different environments and all, and all this other stuff and kids are talking to me differently and I'm saying to myself, I don't necessarily feel any different, but that started messing with me more than anything else. Right. You know what I mean? So um, we'll read the question, but you know, I think we'll tee it up this way. I think maybe a little bit more background on you personally, but because of one of the cooler stories about you that I know of is, you know, if you want to share it, the Tony Robbins thing, because I always looked at, you know, the Tony Robbins cold walk as one of those things that it's like, you see it and you're like, wow, that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. And then you start saying to yourself, well, if a thousand people are doing it, how could it even be real? And then you do it the way you did. It. I'm like, this is the baddest dude on the planet. And that's kind of how we even got off kind of talking after I heard the story, I came up to you after the speaking engagement thing, but I won't, um, you know, I'll, I'll let you do your thing. Um, yeah. So the, the fire walking, and I want to say that was back in 1999, 2000 is that, uh, I'd gotten to be friends with Tony and been to a bunch of his seminars. And one was, um, unleash the power within and I, I will never forget we were in Kona Hawaii and we're there and I, I'm participating in basically everything that's going on at this seminar and one night it was announced there was like 2,500 people that we're going to do a fire walk and everyone's screaming the music's pumping everything's going great and all of a sudden I'm like ah, like I can't do this and so we go outside and there's like a little patch. He's like, let me just show you what we're going to be facing. And he showed us a little patch of burning hot coals. And I'm like, uh, so then my mind got a hold of it and said, this got to be some kind of joke. This isn't real. Kind of what you were saying before, Albie. So I reached down with my hand and I was like, 
these are burning hot coals. This is so they're hot. This is real. It's, this is yeah. like the real deal. This is like going into your like barbecue or something and burning hot coals. So um, I, I got to tell your listeners. So I'm sitting here in a wheelchair. I'm the only one at this entire seminar that's sitting in a wheelchair because of paralysis. And I'm thinking like, I can't do this. But I was training myself at the time to like just find a way. I know my mind when it's leading the way, it's about fear, disbelief, playing small. And I think that's where I was in the beginning, but I had shifted right to my heart where it's about courage and experiencing that anything is possible. So my heart just said, find a way, find a way. So I went up to Tony and everything and I said, Tony, you have a second? He goes, yeah, Scott, what's going on? I said, listen, I want to do this firewalk. And he looked at me like, um, yep. Okay. <laughs> and I said, Tony, listen, if you're telling me this is like mind over matter, I kind of say heart over mind over matter. Mm-hmm. I was like, it doesn't matter whether I do it on my feet or if I do it on my hands. And so he's like, look at it. He's like, I'm listening. <laughs> I was like, well, I can get out of my wheelchair with my arms and my hands. I can get down onto the ground. I can flip over into my stomach. I want you to grab my legs like a wheelbarrow race. And we're going to go along these burning hot coals. Now he looked at me like you and Nat are looking at me like oh right now. I was like, who the hell is out be brought on to the show? Into this hotel. What are we doing right now? Um, and he was just, he thought about it for a minute. And he said, you know, Scott, I believe in you, but you need to be prepared. And I was like, Tony, I can get over these coals. He's like, no, no, no. It's not this patch of burning hot coals. There's going to be a path 40 feet long of burning hot coals. And he just said to me, go, Scott, whatever you want in life is waiting for you on the other end. And I just remember that because we had during a day train of um, doing a lot of creative visualization and he capped it off by doing this firewalk and asking everyone to visualize what it is that they wanted to experience at the end of this firewalk and how it was going to make them feel. So at the time I had closed my eyes and I visualized myself walking along the beach, holding my wife's hand with one and holding a child's hand with the other. Because in addition to being told I'd never be able to walk again, I was told that I'd never be able to father my own children, which is more important to me than walking again. So I saw a child next to me, and all of a sudden, like I, the, the experience that I felt was just like, this would be amazing. Mm. And so I opened my eyes, and I said, let's go. And he goes, well, Scott's going to be in a few hours. we got some more training to do. <laughs> and I'm just like totally fired up. And what's interesting, everyone signed a waiver in case you like got mm. burned or something. something. Yeah. So I burned. And the, the last thing he was telling everyone is like, don't look down at the burning hot coals because once you look down, your mind's going to get a hold of it and say, burning hot coals, you're going to get burned and that's it. 13 people that night looked down at the coals and not to judge them, got burned, jumped off, they did their feet, but they all signed waivers, so Tony was all right. My face is in this. Like, yeah. I, I can't look up. My face, my hands, but I did it and I, I went and I just remember like absolutely nothing and, and so many times I'm asked didn't you feel something on your hands I felt some heat on my hands uh, on my face but what's interesting is that you hear about stories about people going into burning buildings mm-hmm. and um, coming out unscathed because they had to rescue something I don't know what it is but it's one of those things I don't need like an explanation that's the mind wanting an explanation it, like I got done with that and all of a sudden like we're on this like little slip and slide because they have a hose and everything to like cool you off and everything it's like I knock Tony now Tony's about like six seven six eight I knock him in the side of the knee just so excited he tumbles like, he crumbles onto the ground next to him I like get onto his chest and I was like let's do it again and he's like you're insane and everyone's like hosing us down and everything but it was just one of those experiences in my life in which I said to myself wow if this is possible anything is possible and you know, I went from a 2% chance to a 55% chance of fathering my own children. And I know that one of the many 
ingredients to that was that experience that I had doing that fire walk. But it's amazing, amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how old do you mean to that? I was, so if you do 22 from 51, 29. 29. Wow. Now, and, and your paralysis happened when you were how old? 15. 15. Okay. Yep. So do you think, was there like a moment for you now, because this is what, what inspires me about every conversation that we had. Like, that's not an easy thing to do, like, with shoes on <laughs> and all that. Other, like, because to me, if like, like, let's put it this way. I've run into cigarettes that aren't out on the side of the, 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 the hotel <laughs> and even that, and I'm like yeah. buckets of water. Let's like, you know, I'm not even playing around with this, but sort of do that obviously on your hands is, is wild. Right. But getting to that point where you have that amount of confidence and all of that other stuff, right. Is it, do you think that for you anyway, like, is it an immediate thing that's there or is it one of those things that you have to, you know, and, and maybe this is what makes you so great at, you know, the coaching and stuff like that also. Do you have to coach that stuff out of you? Like, is that something that the attitude is just there right away when something horrible happens and your whole life changes? How long does it take you to get to that guy? It's it's right there readily available for me. I, I will say, and I, I, I don't want anyone to believe, well, I have to be an athlete. To, uh, for that to happen I was an athlete before paralysis athlete during paralysis and an athlete now and I was one of those people that was just gifted I meant football basketball baseball I was gifted but then I also practiced so I like honed in on the skill that like attitude in terms of going after it and just wanting to be the best version that I can was always there and um, when paralysis hit I mean I had my moments and then all of a sudden, 12 years later is when it really hit me. But I think it was that athlete who just keeps showing up and just has like that. Like I, every single morning, it's, I'm coming up on my 36th anniversary of sitting in this wheelchair. Every single morning, I wake up like everyone else. Difference for me, I'm not for everyone, but for most people is that I have a waiting wheelchair waiting for me. Mm. And I have trained myself and I trained myself very early on in the hospital to say, OK, I got to get in that chair. I got to get in that chair because that's showing up for life. That's half the battle. The other half of the battle is where my choice is taking me and like wherever it may go, my choice is going to take me like beyond my wildest dreams or they're going to take me down a dark road. That's how powerful our power to choose is. But um, it, so it's, it's the attitude that um, is just full of resilience, full of I, I, like I don't care what's in front of me. Uh, I'm going to find a way um, around it, over it, under it, through it. Um, I, I just, I get fueled by challenges mm -hmm. and I get fueled by other people's challenges too, but knowing full well that there's purpose in those challenges, there's growth inside those challenges. And, um, but yeah, I, it, there's no, I, I just, I realize that if I hang on to, something like a challenge or a, what someone might call a problem I see as an opportunity too long is that my mind's going to get a hold of it and it's going to create an excuse for me not to move forward. I, I just know that through certain examples in my life to the point where like I just see this thing playing out in my head um, with my mind as like fear and disbelief as a movie. 
and I watch it. I don't resist it because I know it's always going to be there, but I laugh at the movie sometimes. I don't take it seriously. I ask it, are you done yet? And mm -hmm. then I go into my heart and it says, let's just go. Mm -hmm. and that, that's why I love. So I, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you're so courageous and everything. And that's, that's when we're in our heart. And I'm like, you know what? I don't just go there in times of challenges. I, I live there as much as possible. Yeah. Because it's all about, in my opinion, heart just wants to go out there and have an experience. Mm -hmm. We succeed, we win, we fail, we lose, whatever it is, we're going out there and have an experience. And that's it. That's as simplified as my life gets right now. Mm -hmm. It's like I don't hold back. doesn't mean I don't take precautionary measures and I'm, I'm reckless when I'm out there. But I never, ever make a decision based in fear. Because mm -hmm. in my belief, there's going to be a huge karmic lesson that I'm going to have to learn that's going to come back and bite me in the ass at some point. So, mm -hmm. so I mean, for for all that like experience and stuff, if you were to say, if you had to bottle that up or put it in like a capsule in pill form, right? And because I, I, I get this question often, but it's it's more awkward for me, I think, than than I think it'll it'll end up being for you. If you had to put that in a pill and say, here you go, like matrix style, okay, like and that pill is really just you summing it up, like what's your version of like the golden rule, right? Where everybody can take this, learn from it, and then whatever. Like what what's in it? <laughs> well, it, it, it's a phrase that I've lived by for a very long time now. Uh, no bad days, challenging moments. I refuse to have a bad day. Oh, do I have moments of pain and anger and sadness every single day. I think about what if like this never happened to me. I have those moments. But when I tell you what reigns supreme in my life more and more every day and it actually guides me is this thing called gratitude. And it, it's so much because I know we talk so much Albionette of what we want in life. And it's and I want people to want the world. I want them to have wealth. I want them to have fame. I want them to have love. Whatever it is that they want. But I was like, imagine if nothing changed. If nothing changed, how awesome is your life right now? So making each and every day just a little bit stronger than what you want, what it is that you already have. And that's gratitude. So I, I start my day with gratitude. I end my day with gratitude. And I try to flood my life with gratitude. Like, what's awesome about my life now? And what that does, it takes me out of the past in which usually we're dwelling on something that didn't happen and we're a prisoner in our past or we're too nervous and preoccupied about the future and I'm all for planning and strategizing but we have no control over that. What does gratitude do? do uh, uh, what, gratitude, what gratitude does? It puts me back in the moment and mm. helps me appreciate where I am right now. That's all I have control over. Yeah. All I have control over. Yeah, no, you know, it's funny because like I find myself... It, that's a hard thing, or at least for me anyway, to, to stick with. I've learned that. Like, because I think, especially the more, um, I would say, uh, I don't want to use the word busy. I would say the more, like, stimulated that you are, right? So it doesn't have to be a work thing. The more things that are coming at you on a pretty regular basis, right? Um, the harder it is to, like, like and I, I hear this a lot, like, where working a, a ton to a point where I was the guy that used to run every single day and go to the gym every single day. I probably haven't done it in about a year, year and a half. Right. And that's having like real effects, you know? And I just say to myself, wow, like it doesn't even occur to me to do it. Like there's so much life that happens and so many things you have to react to that. It's very, very tough to like, like find a, 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 a rhythm, at least for me anyway, 
but like I'll feel myself actually saying like you know you got to kind of get connected to that because you you really don't I I don't think I'm capable of really making good decisions when I'm connected to something too far in the future or too far in the past. Exactly. You're just not. So that's know? why routines and rituals are so important. I and just so- started every morning when I'm getting ready because it's the only time where I can like not be, you know, at work around other people. When I'm doing my makeup, I just say five things that I'm grateful for about my life every morning. And sometimes they're the same things, you know, just like I'm grateful for my apartment. I'm grateful I can afford food today. Just things that you don't think about regularly because you're so used to having them. Like I'm thankful that I have a car and like whatever. I'm healthy. I don't need to go to the doctor. I don't need to, you know, whatever. And it has helped me bring myself back to the present and not being so concerned like if I have like a money concern, I'll remind myself like I'm doing okay. Right. Like I don't need to worry about next week right now. We can just worry about today and I'm going to get through today. Awesome. And it really does help. It does. Just FYI. But so a lot of times I'll share with because people are saying, well, I'm too busy because we always like think it's too time consuming and so forth. So I was like, you know what? Have like two different types of routines and rituals. One in which maybe you have and I'm just making up an example, maybe a more time on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So rather than doing like a, a 15 minute meditation, maybe you're going to do a 30 minute meditation or rather than exercising for uh, half an hour, you're going to have an hour. So have an abbreviated version in which you're on the go. Things are busy because life is definitely moving at a, a, a fast pace. But things that you know will automatically bring you back in a moment, automatically make you feel good. I love the, the gratitude ritual. But then also, you know what? When I have a little bit more time, these things that I like to do, I have because it, it's so important to have these rituals and routines and we look forward to them. And, and, and what I love, Nat, what you were saying is that it's not about doing this gratitude exercise just to get it done. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know what, having new things, those things maybe that I take for granted that might take a little bit more time, but you know what, you, you bring more value, you bring more importance to the ritual because it's like, all right, I gotta go to the gym. No, 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 what, what's waiting for you? Because we all talk about going to the gym and like, oh, I'm so tired, I hate getting sweaty. But what does that do when you get to the gym? What does that look like? How does that feel afterwards? Is that like you're more alive, you have more energy, you feel a sense of accomplishment. It's like that should be your motivating force. Like, oh, I gotta go to the gym. We, we like routines, we like rituals, but we also like variety. So it's like bring some variety to the fold mm. and, and make it more interesting because we don't want to do the same old, same old. Well, you know, it's funny because there are a couple of people that we've actually had. We, we've had some questions that'll come in, right? That are a little, you know, I think for the for the show's perspective, I think a little um, on the heavier side or things that, you know, are deeply personal to somebody or someone's really, really looking for like some serious help that I just feel like might not be appropriate to kind of put out in the ether, you know, where we've developed some relationships with folks that will kind of like talk offline. And um, obviously there's personal stuff too and people in like your personal life that you know also, but um, where somebody kind of brought up the idea of, okay, well, what if I feel like I'm losing everything so it's hard for me to be grateful for anything kind of a thing. And one of the things because I think it's really easy to just say, hey, you know, you got air in your lungs, you're living somewhere, you could like, you know, you, you've, you've got the, the, the following things that are just kind of like inherently just in you, you should be excited about. But weirdly, I find that people don't necessarily take to that. And what I kind of caught was the idea of like starting from 
if you really just said, oh my God, my whole life is going to be a completely blank slate. It's like ruined everything about like, you know, one person in particular, let's just say my marriage is falling apart. I've got this going on. I, I can't find work, all these different things. And I was like, well, really you're starting now from zero, which when do you ever get to do that? Now it's really, really easy to say to yourself, wow, that's like the mud and all that other, but not really. Like at this point, let's say this one individual, okay, you're in your thirties, you know, saying your marriage isn't working out. Well, maybe you're just getting out of a marriage that works for you. Okay. And that, that wasn't working for you rather. And this situation might actually inspire him to be maybe even a better dad because now when he's got limited time, he's putting all of his time just being a good role model instead of maybe being a flawed person that they're around all the time, whatever. But the point of it is just not even necessarily painting it with a different brush, really kind of understanding and embracing the idea that maybe starting from nothing and starting all over again is a powerful place to start from if your brain's in the right place. But it's hard to get your brain in the right place, I think, when it is so constantly in this tornado of, you know, whatever you think your situation might actually mean, right. you know? So how do you just, when you, you're, because you're, I think so many people are just so desperate to stop feeling a certain way right away. Like we're treating hard times like you just need an Advil. Right. You know what I mean? Because like, like we're a side effect kind of culture, right? So like a lot of these things to learn them take time, you know, like reading this, that, or just a lot of practice there really is so much like like you can't just today TikTok self-improvement. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like, oh wow, I read the right quote and now it's going on my Instagram story and now I'm okay. Right. Like that like That's you really gotta like live a, it. Now everyone thinks I'm okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's no. a curated okay. Right. right. And even that, there's so much of that where I, I would say to myself, like, look, how many if I'm going through something then all of a sudden I want to post about it. Maybe I'm not really doing this for me, kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Someone should help me, please. Well, not even so much that. Like, hey, look, you're not now. To me, I I actually had said that to one of the people that I was talking to. I said, you're already fixed. Like, you don't have a problem. You've got a problem with how you believe you're 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 seen. And it kind of it was it was interesting because you brought it up because you're writing the book now, right? And you brought something up in passing that I was kind of shocked by. Look, we were talking about your personal life. I mean, I want to get into it because where it was like, hey, I guess to, to kind of, at least the way I re- read it or, 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 or kind of understood it was, okay, you know, you're, 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 um, you felt a little bit, I, I suppose, I guess what, it was tough for you to kind of put your own like element of personal stuff out there, which is so strange for me because I consider you to obviously be a very, very strong person. And my entire life is consisted of whether I want to or not, my whole personal shit just being out there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's kind of, so no, finishing my book. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a book that was supposed to be released actually in November of 2021, and I had a timetable, I had schedule. I just I knew that I had more um, that I had to write, and I got pulled in a lot of different directions. And again, I, I'm not that one who likes to point uh, or to have excuses for things, but I did get pulled in a lot of directions and good directions because my help was needed with this pandemic with a lot of people, whether it be coaching one-on-one small groups or even presentations that I was doing virtually. And I also realized that, you know, I've created a lot of excuses over the years for not completing this book. And I was sharing with you and Nat um, before the program is that it's been the biggest challenge of my life is completing this book because there was that part of me that said, 
okay, if I take this book, which has a lot of um, personal information, and it's a lot about my life, and I put it out there, and it's, it's lined with some self-help as well. If I put that out for the world to receive, um, and what if it's not embraced? Like, where do you go from there? You put out a book about your life or something, and if it's not embraced? So I finally have gotten to that point where, you know what, I'm really happy with the direction of the book. I know that 2022, I actually have some people in my life who um, are holding me accountable. I think a lot of people who are listening to this program right now is that you get an accountability program and that could be something in your personal life or professional life. It's huge because, and I've told these people and there's like six or seven of them, hold my feet to the fire, even though I don't feel my feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, hold my feet to the fire, make sure I get this done. Don't, do not let me create an excuses um, because I can't do this anymore. I gotta get this done. And so um, I, I'm really excited about it, but I, honestly, it's it's been tougher than paralysis. It's been tougher than like anything I've endured. And while I'm frustrated by it, I've hit my threshold for pain, but I also realize for it to be this consuming of uh, my energy, there's something big that's waiting on the other side once it's completed. And I don't think it hurt either that back in April 2020, a documentary about my life came out, which is a movie on the big screen, a little bit different, but also went through that, wait a minute, is this done or should this be tweaked? It wasn't something I ended up coming in and helping them produce it, but um, two guys approached me and wanting to do this about my life. And I took a deep breath. I was like, and so um, what I love about it too is that when I I turned 50 last year is that my uh, nephew Brian's like, hey, Scott, you're halfway there. I was like, all right. And uh, the documentary came out when I was, oh yeah, you know what? Maybe there's going to be a second documentary. Mm. You never know. Maybe it's just going to get better from here. So it's tough, but I'm excited. So I, I... Fear happens. I can't tell you both how many times people have said to me, Scott, you're fearless. You'll just go after everything. And the truth of the matter is I'm not fearless because fear is natural. What I do is I leverage and I exhaust fear. Um, Being fearless, it's not natural. So I take this energy and I I just move forward with it. And I think that's what courage is all about. But um, yeah, I, I get scared of change. I'm afraid to fail from time to time. What's interesting, here, here's an interesting thought. A lot of people who um, approach me and approach people in general saying, well, if I make this change or if I do this, like I, I, I'm afraid to fail. So I'll be like, you know what, tell me a little bit about your life and what's going on. And so 99% of the time when they share it with me, I was like, well, here's the truth of the matter is that you're actually not afraid to fail. Um, you're actually there. From what you just told me, you're already failing. I was like, the biggest fear is the fear of succeeding, what it looks like and how big that's going to be. And I know that's part of my story too, not if, but when this book is done and the platform that it's going to have and it's going to springboard me to bigger things that I want to do. That's big. That's massive. Everyone would say, well, that's just something that you would want to do. No. I I put it, and it's interesting, as I'm bringing it up, I put it in the same category almost of walking again. Mm -hmm. Because if you said, Scott, walking for you is waiting for you right outside this door, people would say, okay, like I'll do anything. And there's a part of me that will do anything. But using this wheelchair for 36 years, I've built something of a comfort zone in this. Walking again? Excuse my language, but that scares the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. Do I want to go after it, make it happen? Absolutely, because it would make life easier but it scares the heck out of me. That's something big, that's changed. There's something that's waiting for me. I meant, um, it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to work through the fear. So, um, but also one of the things we were talking about, I would just say, just, just start with one thing. 
we just we need a win. We need a, a comp. We don't need to say, okay, I need to do this, this, and this. We create laundry lists for ourselves of things that we have to do to be happy, to be successful. It's like we never get around to it. Then we feel like disappointed and rejected. So I told an audience member the other day who was just down. I was like, tell me one thing right now that makes you happy. He's like, what? Just one thing. And all of a sudden, like you saw it, it came to his mind. He's like, I love walking my dog in the park. Oh. I love walking my dog in the park. I was so like, well, simple. when was the last time you did it? He's like, I can't remember. And I said, I want to text. Here's my number by the end of the day, letting me know that you went and walked your dog and how it made you feel. Now, that wasn't going to say that's going to solve all of his problems. But something tells me, which ended up happening during that walk of his dog, he ended up connecting with some people that might help him move forward. So it's like, move away. So people are like, well, I don't want to go down this path anymore. I don't want the dark path anymore. I was like, okay, I got it. What's the complete opposite? So I felt his sadness a mile away. So I was like, what's one thing that makes you happy? And so go in the complete opposite direction. And so what happens is you start moving away from what you no longer want and no longer want to feel. And you start to move into something. And again, I'm not saying it's going to be sustainable, but you have a much better chance of connecting more dots, adding more things to walking your dog and putting you in a place of feeling happier. Well, Scott, I hope I still have a job after this because I can't, you know, my shit's just not as together, man. Now that everyone knows they're basically getting like, like, like I'm like the, uh, the most diet version of, of your diet. Like, it should be like diet Albie diet. Like, you know what I mean? After this I was like, dude, like this guy is like, not, he's just not, yeah, we're going to lose everybody. We have to ask him anything. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Um, how do people find you? They can go to my website, uh, scottchesney.com. So it's S-C-O-T-T-C-H-E-S-N-E-Y.com. And on there, you'll see all my social media handles as well. Dude, it was great seeing you. Great to see you. you got to make uh, more of a habit out of this. Very nice for to sure. meet you. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, DearAlbumMailbag.com. We've got the live show coming up um, very, very soon, actually. October 6th, we're going to be doing a live show with Dear Albie. Actually, may even have some audience participation here. Our friend from Staples. Uh, Lauren is coming on the show. Throw some, uh, throw some questions our way for that. And great to see you guys as always. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.